Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life and today I'm very excited. I have Liz Richards who is a fellow graduate student in the Spana College of Art Design and she's studying animation. Hi Liz, how are you doing? Great, how are you today? Wonderful. I am so grateful that you would be able to do this interview today. Um, of course. So I wanted you to share with the audience a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So I am a concept artist and art director um, for theme park design usually, but my background has always been in animation. Um, I got my BFA in animation from Brigham Young University almost, oh gosh, like over a decade now. <laughs> I graduated in uh, 2008. And then um, within a couple of years, I was working at Walt Disney Imagineering and I was there for seven years doing all sorts of things for theme park design. Um, I kind of bounced around a lot there. Uh, and then um, I started having my family. And so I decided to take my career freelance. So I still work a lot in themed entertainment. But um, in the middle of all this, I kind of was feeling this desire to go back to school. I've always wanted to get my master's and I, I loved going to school. And um, actually at Imagineering, I had met uh, one of my mentors had mentioned that SCAD had an online program. And so I started looking into that and it was fortunate timing, I guess, that the pandemic hit and I, I had something to focus on. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm so glad I met you in animation class because you were yes. nice and all of the students in there were so talented. I always like every time we'd have a showing, I felt like I was going to like a little movie premiere or animation <laughs> premiere. And it's like so cool to know that all the work that you guys have put into your expertise, I get to be one of the first people to see it. So I, that was super exciting. It was a really fun class. Yeah, it was a great group of people. And I really um, felt like the animation, you know, you guys had a lot more experience and I felt like you guys were so accepting and kind and helpful with advice. Oh, of course. It, anyone who does animation knows that it's hard no, long how, no matter how long you've been doing it. And I was curious because like what prompted you to go on that journey to study animation? And I'd actually heard good things about BYU's um, animation program. Um, and actually their art department in general is pretty good, I've heard. Yeah, I was actually super fortunate um, in being accepted to that program. It is a phenomenal program. And they were one of the first to really um, take this stance of that a animation degree should have a focus on being able to get you hired right away. So the way that the program at BYU is set up is like a mini pipeline for a film. So when we do our senior project at BYU, um, everybody votes and picks on one project that, they, that we all then work on as a short film. So as a result, you end up with much more theatrical quality and everyone has kind of a pumped up resume that can allow them to get hired easier straight out of your BFA, which is very nice. They were also super um, accommodating. I had kind of fallen in love with set design as well as animation, and I was able to kind of tailor my, my undergraduate to include a lot of set design and theater along with my animation, which came in very helpful when I was ultimately at Imagineering. Um, as far as my path, <laughs> um, I actually knew pretty early on that I wanted to be an animator. Um, I was about eight when I decided that that was what I wanted to do. I just, I've always had a love for 
Disney animation specifically, but then as I watch more and more, I mean, any animation, I was fascinated by the concept that artists were creating these films and these emotions. And, and I loved drawing. Um, I was not super great at it. So I enrolled in a like private art lessons very young and was, I, that was my goal for, for a very long time. So I know that's not kind of the normal route, like to be a very stubborn eight-year-old who knows what they want to do. But um, that, that was kind of my focus. I always knew I wanted to be in it. Um, but when I fell kind of into Imagineering, that ended up being even more perfect. Like I so thought that I wanted to be in studio and instead like pivoting to, to Imagineering was just perfect for me. And I still did, did a lot of animation and storyboarding and things at Imagineering, but it combined that love of theatricality and set making that I had too. So I was really fortunate that I kind of fell into that. I mean, it's, I've seen your work on your website and all of that. It's great stuff. I love the background, like, I guess, designs. And I, I guess they were part of, like, maybe theme park attractions. They were beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I've always been very focused on environment design. I love making places, making areas that people feel like they're someplace different. I mean, whether it's physically or in a film, I love that idea that backgrounds are characters just as much as the characters themselves are. And that if you don't have a sense of place that, that you don't really have much of a story. So that's my favorite side of design is, is the placemaking and the story behind the, the environment. So, so I tend to focus on, on that side of things. And for those listeners, because there are some people who are like art teachers, like um, they might not be aware of what concept art really is. It's, and I would say for me, even it's more recently that I've been hearing about it. And I was mm -hmm. surprised, like in my last quarter illustration class, two thirds of the students wanted to do concept design. So I was like, what, what is yeah. that? And why is it so popular? <laughs> Just curious. Sure. And I mean, I think part of what, is hard, I guess, about the, the concept industry is that it encompasses a lot, right? Like you can be a concept artist that's strictly for, for film, you could be a concept artist for themed entertainment, you could be a concept artist for advertising. It, it's such a broad term that I don't know, like generally people, I think when they're speaking about wanting to become a concept artist, are generally talking about film-based because those are like the big artists that you're seeing a lot of the art for, like, you know, the concept art of Star Wars or the concept art of Indiana Jones. And I mean, those are fabulous and certainly inspirational, but concept art can be a lot of different things. And it's really just that early art that isn't production art to me. So, I mean, I've, I've done production art as well, like things that are actually installed someplace as a mural or as part of an attraction or something that's being sent to film, like those are all what I would consider production art. Whereas concept art is things like storyboards or really loose sketches or beauty shots, anything that's going to help a director or a team realize the vision of the project is concept art. Can you walk me through a little bit? Cause I am so naive when it comes to this. So like in that kind of scenario, what you were doing, for a theme park is it like do they just kind of come to you and say well we have this ride I mean do they like how does that work <laughs> so Imagineering Imagineering is kind of its own thing so Imagineering is every you know there there are people working in-house there are people working as contractors 
I've done both with Imagineering, both working in-house as a full-time employee. And then more recently, I've been um, a, a contractor. I've set up my own business and they hire me out to do certain things. So at Imagineering, it is unique because you never know what you're going to get. Like even when I worked there full-time, I was what was sometimes jokingly referred to as a Swiss army knife. I had a lot of different things that I could do. And so depending on what a project needed, I would get assigned to that project. I did a lot of storyboarding. That was kind of my bread and butter daily, like lots of storyboard, quick sketch, things like that. If a team needed something like that, because all of those rides now are storyboarded because it's, I mean, they're like being immersed in a film, right? So it makes sense to storyboard an attraction or a show. Um, I also did um, things like big murals. Um, I did like menus. <laughs> I mean, that, I, it sounds like you don't think about that, but um, anything that like a digital menu that could change, wait time boards. Um, so I kind of ran the gamut. I even did some like sculpting. So it really just depended on the project, which was fun for me. Like I really enjoyed it, but <laughs> I know it could drive some people crazy to not know what they were going to be doing every day. Cool though, because then you never get bored because I'm a little ADHD myself and I get like, I found that I have to, I get bored. Like, so that's why, um, when I left graphic design, I went into teaching. Teaching became something that was so organic, like it's just the mm -hmm. same, or even like what didn't happen with the schedule. So you got to, you know, play it by ear and come up with whatever you were interested in. Um, can you explain for the, um, for maybe for the art teachers, like if they had a high school student who said, hey, I really want to do concept design, um, what would you recommend that those students should be focusing on? So say like primarily high school? Sure. Um, I would say the biggest thing in, in the art industry is knowing how to draw. So lots and lots of sketchbook. You don't go anywhere without your sketchbook. You're needing to draw from life so that you understand things spatially. Any sort of perspective studies that you can do would be super helpful. Figure drawing, it seems antiquated, but it still teaches you so much about the world around you. So when I was in my undergrad, every semester I was taking either long form figure drawing or gesture drawing and I alternated back and forth between the two um but but yeah just draw 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 and then um study the stuff around you too so it is very fortunate that we live in a time when so many of these concepts are being um released in things like art of books or documentaries any of that supplemental material that they can watch to kind of get <clears throat> excuse me, to kind of get an idea of the competition because frankly, that that's who you're up against, right? Like the, you can't just be striving to be better than your peers. You have to be better or as good as the masters because the thing with a lot of entertainment art is people don't retire. Like you work until you're done, <laughs> you know? Like, so, so I think it's establishing those that, that look that you want, that thing that you're striving for, and then also making connections. A lot of this industry is about connections. So attending cool events that happen like Lightbox, um, CTN used to be a big one, but Lightbox is certainly the big one right now. It happens in September out here in Pasadena. Um, there's, there's all sorts of cool, um, cool kind of pop-up events that are happening now as people become more and more interested in, in these sides of the industry. So so yeah, just, and starting to have an online presence and, and make connections, like genuine connections, comment on people's artwork, 
tell them that you like their work like there's nothing wrong with you know making friends that's that's the way that people kind of stay connected to this industry great advice I just I feel like because after taking an animation class you guys are so friendly animators I was like I just want to be <laughs> in class because they're so nice <laughs> and everybody was so like I would I was so lost as in somebody who's very new to animation and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so intense. This is like, I thought illustrators like to draw a lot. No, animators have a beat. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. I had like, literally, I was like, my back was like forming into a permanent hunch from uh-huh. the box <laughs> and trying to like draw each frame. But I learned so much. I I felt like sure. with animation, um, like you're saying, you know, you, you really have to do it. You really have to draw a lot. You have to you know, like we could, I could watch the videos and the tutorials all day long. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I'd kind of really didn't get it. And until I actually physically started drawing frame by frame or doing whatever it was that we needed to be working on that I really understood it. And it was like a lot of mistakes. (laughs) And Uh, and still like, I mean, there, there always is. I think that's part of the charm of animation though, is there's that human element, right? There, it's not going to be perfect. And that's what makes it charming and art instead of just a photograph. It's it's that the way that you've interpreted the motion. It's so magical. Like even as a grown-up, I'm pretty old and I go like, this is so amazing. I go like, this is so magical. I felt like a little kid when I would watch mm-hmm. everybody's work. And I just like, I just feel like if there's some kind of magic behind it, but I know that it's sweat equity, it's hard work, it's having learned what works and what doesn't work it's amazing for sure it is absolutely magical though I'm I actually am just I've just started teaching uh at at a college and um it's so fun to see my students getting hooked on it too like that first assignment where you make something move it's just it's so catching and you just want to keep doing it. it it is really fun Oh, wow. You know, and that's an interesting thing that you bring up. So what are some challenges you, you face because like, you know, with COVID going on and things like that, are you guys in person? Are you doing a virtual? Um, um, I am virtual. My family is pretty high risk. So we've actually been home for a full year now. And we were really fortunate that both my husband's job and my job were able to kind of transfer to being at home. That being said, there hasn't been much theme park work, obviously. So um, I was really fortunate to stumble onto a, a, a teaching position with uh, Dixie Technical College, which is actually in Utah, but I am teaching remote for them and it, it's great. They've been super fun to work with and they have, their digital media program is pretty established, but it was a, they were wanting to create a new animation course. And so I've been working on that with them and it's been really, it's really rewarding and it's really fun. Awesome. So it's a new added, um, you know, aspect of your career that, yeah, because I personally found it very rewarding. I know it's like, it's one of those things at the end of the day, every class that you might teach the same class you already mm-hmm. do, but because the students change, it just, you just get different results. And so I always like that about teaching. There's something always new about it. Absolutely. It's super fun. And I love seeing it. It's so fun just to see the creativity from, from every individual, like every person's assignment is just so different. And I love it. Awesome. So I was wondering, um, 
you know, you, um, I just really enjoyed how you came up with your character designs, um, some of them were based on, you know, your personal life, your kids, I thought they were super adorable. So how do you like kind of start that process of felt thinking about when you're designing those characters for animation? Sure. So, um, like I said, I tend to be more on the environment side, but when I am designing a character for that class in particular, um, I was stretched so thin with like wanting to be with my kids and, and needing to be with my kids because we're all here all the time together right now. And, um, and I find them very inspirational. Like a lot of my time is spent with them. So starting from a basis with like funny little mannerisms that I had noticed or things they were into. So the one character that I designed was a little witch. Um, my kids are all very into magic right now and Harry Potter and, you know, anything that, that is mysterious and fun and, and part of that other world. And so having her, having my eldest pretend to be a witch was <laughs> very natural. She, she likes to dress up and she likes to play those characters a lot anyway. So, I mean, it was just something that kind of happened organically. Um, with the baby, I, I designed a little tiger character that was um, doing a little dance and she is going to be my dancer. I mean, she just doesn't stop if music comes on. And I actually have a, a separate website that I have kind of been doing on the side that's more kid-centric projects that I design as printables or different things called the Happy Tiger Troop. And so I was already kind of thinking of those characters and then just like incorporating it into the, the animation project. About your kids, do they know what you do professionally? Because like, probably did. They'd be like, "That is the coolest. That is a really awesome job, Bob." Like, do they do they have an idea? Kind of. I mean, it's been hard because so my oldest is seven, and then I have a four and a two year old as well. So they kind of get it, but they're it's hard for them to to get sometimes like what exactly I'm doing. So <laughs> my oldest remembers when I was working full-time at Disney. And so she she kind of has a little bit more of an inkling, but they sometimes don't get the, the jump between like, oh, this is going to be a ride or like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you drawing that? <laughs> you know, why can't you come draw an elephant for me? Which I end up drawing the elephant most of the time, but but yeah, no. So they they don't quite get it yet, but they're starting to. Like we've we've talked about some different aspects of of art in the industry. My oldest idol right now is Mary Blair, so oh. she does kind. She's starting to understand like, oh, there's this job where you can make rides, and mom does it sometimes. So. Cool. because like those those are careers like um I felt like as a high school art teacher like sometimes you know parents are worried that their kids are going to be living under a bridge or a cardboard absolutely box. and I felt like after kind of talking to some of you guys from animation like it feels like there are more there are like practical jobs that you can mm -hmm. get in the field and I don't know another question is do they tend to be more in-house or are they more like contracted freelance work nowadays it totally depends. And I think with the pandemic, it's hard to say right now. We could be seeing a lot of contract work for a lot for a long time. Um, it could go back to in-house, but I don't know. A lot of people have been pretty successful at being from home during this time. So we might see it stay that way. Uh, the one thing I would say to people who are concerned about their kids going into art, like I get how that can seem very risky, 
I wish what was being taught more early on is that art is a job and that you can't, um, you can't just fly by the seat of your pants. It's a business and you have to approach it as such and you have to treat your work as work. So when I find that the, I, it is a hard industry. I, I won't say it isn't. I get very little sleep. Everyone I know gets very little sleep. You know, there's long hours. There's a lot of dedication and sacrifice if you're actually wanting to do it. But at the same time, I think if you can start out on a career and be focused on this is my business and kind of divorce your, um, your feelings from it, that's, that's where I feel like the big issue is when people get too connected to their art as being an extension of themselves. Those are the people who cannot make it in the art industry because it crushes them every time there's a critique or every time they lose a job or every time, you know, something goes wrong. And I mean, in the entertainment and arts industry, something is going to go wrong every time. So, so I think it's important to to focus your your attention on this is a business it's not personal like you still want to put a lot of your own you know personal flair and your personal style and your work ethic into it but you can't have your feelings hurt every time someone gives you a critique it has to be a business it has to be a a completely separate thing from your personal art which I absolutely encourage as well like if you want something that is personal that you are very attached to by all means do it but you know if you don't want the critique don't put it out there good point yeah because i think that is hard for you know that's hard for even that's hard for me too because it's like it's so um it does feel like we could just spend so much time on it um i think probably the best thing that ever happened to me was when i was a graphic designer you kind of step away from your work because it becomes you know, ultimately there's a client involved and that client is saying dictates about, you know, certain things because it fits with their brand mm -hmm. or whatever. And I found that you just kind of let it go. You just go like, well, it's not really my, <laughs> my thing and, you know, yeah. your thing. And so, you know, so yeah, but it, it can be a really tough learning curve to get over that. That's great. It is. And it, it certainly takes practice. I mean, I'm not saying it's an easy thing. No one, no one likes to have a nasty critique, but yeah. the more you can accept that, like you're just trying to get to what the client wants, I think that the better off for your uh, emotional well being it is. That is true. Very, very true. So, what are your plans after you finish your um, master's degree um, from SCAD? Sure. So, I, I, pursued my MFA with the goal to teach. So I would like to keep teaching. Um, I'm hopefully going to continue uh, with my freelance as well. I'm really enjoying the flexibility that it offers. I like living in LA. That's where we live right now. I live in um, a suburb of LA. That's great. Um, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're okay with that right now. We'll, we'll see what the future brings between me and my husband. We're, <laughs> we've always got to look at both sides of the coin there, but, but yeah, no, I'm, I like, um, I like being in an area where there are lots of jobs and lots of opportunities to do freelance and it's not a super foreign concept. Um, but I also am really enjoying teaching. So, so I think the goal is to continue teaching and, and, and freelance. So kind of, keep going. <laughs>
Awesome. So does it matter, do you think, in that industry to be located like in L.A.? I mean, does it or can you be in other places? I mean, I'm just curious, like. I think it depends. Um, I certainly know people who freelance all around the world, and I think that can work fine. Um, I do think it's sometimes important to have established yourself for several years being local because local artists do get local jobs a lot easier. So my suggestion would always be like, if you can move to an area for, for a certain amount of time, whether that's New York, whether it's LA, um, there's a lot of animation going on in Canada right now. I think with this industry, particularly when you're starting out, you do have to be willing to try other places. It's a lot harder to stay someplace that's not one of the the big hubs for that first five to ten years I would say after that I think it's a lot more flexible but I do feel like you kind of need to establish yourself and and get out there but it, it may not be like the city that you think it is I think my suggestion there would be if you get a job someplace other than your hometown and you're concerned about worry uh, about moving take the risk if you need to you can move back but but moving for a job is is a legit thing that is a constant in the entertainment industry so so being willing if you can to move and take the job will actually will will definitely make getting the next job a lot easier gotcha. oh, that's that's really interesting so if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice about your art career or animation, um, <laughs> what would that be? Um, draw more, <laughs> always draw more. Um, I think for me, honestly, the biggest piece of advice I would give myself and anyone is know what resources are available to you at the at where you are now. So for example, like when I was going to BYU, I didn't realize until I think my senior year that the library that we had was connected to every library on earth and I could have like any book in the world sent to me free. You know, I mean, it was, and that resource would have been phenomenal to have figured out sooner. And I was just too busy working on other things to have really delved into that. But what an amazing resource that I could have been taking a lot of more advantage of. When I was at Disney, I wish I had kind of pursued my MFA a little earlier because I would they would have helped me with that. So just understanding the benefits that you have at the time for where you are and taking advantage of those benefits because there there are benefits to every job, whether that's a physical benefit like health, health insurance or whether it's um, just the location that you're in if you're living in a new city, like really explore it, find the different tools, find groups of artists who are hanging out with each other and you know, doing interesting things, really exploring those resources that you have at your disposal is something that I think people don't do enough of and, and that I wish I had done more of early on. That's good advice. I, I, get, I also feel that for me, um, graduate school's kind of been a way to fix my early year mistakes. <laughs> I look at it, it's like I can kind of do the things that I didn't do in undergrad. And so mm -hmm. now I can try it and see. And it's it's been it's been great. Like one of the things like getting to know other 
artist and like I personally and I think it it's really been great that because I was a teacher I realized like art is not as much of a competitive field as people might it is competitive but it's in the sense of like there will be people that you will meet that will be at the same place or further ahead of you or maybe behind mm -hmm. but you've got but everybody can learn from each other and it, absolutely yeah and then I feel like you end up helping out because we all like to work and play with our friends I think mm -hmm. <laughs> we're like not too much different than my high school students when they sign up for an elective it's like oh, yeah there y'all are right there and if you work really well together that that's an awesome environment to be in Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest piece of advice that anyone going into this industry could have is be nice. Like it is a small industry. Play nicely with the other kids because it's going to come back around. And like, why, why wouldn't you want to be friends with these amazing people, right? Like we can all learn so much from each other and it can be so inspiring. So, I mean, of course you run into people who are, you know, cranky and don't want to share or whatever, but the majority of people in this field absolutely want their friends to succeed, want everyone to be creating awesome art so that the industry just gets better. Um, I remember one of, one of my favorite experiences with that was uh, working at Imagineering when the Wizarding World of Harry Potter came out okay. and the response from every everyone I knew everyone I worked with was wow this is amazing this is impressive they've upped the game like I can't wait to see what we do next as a response there was no nastiness there was no like picking it apart it was look at this brilliant job that our competitors did like I can't wait to see what we do next and I thought that was such a positive way to look at an industry that could have been cutthroat and instead everyone was just over the moon for each other about this amazing experience that had opened. That's awesome. And now I know you are a super busy person and I don't <laughs> know, like I, I felt like once I heard you were teaching, you were homeschooling your kids, you are going to graduate. How do you do it? Like, you, like I know you, said you don't get any sleep, but are there any tips that you give people? Because like, how do you manage to balance that? Or is there just no balance? <laughs> The, uh, there is. Um, I mean, it's still a work in progress, <laughs> but I have a very supportive partner in my husband who is certainly like we swap back and forth on who's got the kids and who's handling what. And I mean, that that has been invaluable, obviously, like we make decisions based off of what we both can handle. But he was very supportive of my decision to go back to school and in all my career decisions. So I've been very fortunate there. Um, also, some things do get lost, like my house is a mess, I won't lie, like particularly during the pandemic with everything, like, I mean, because there is no possibility of outside help for us, like, uh, my house is a mess, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you kind of accept, like, okay, maybe the dishes aren't going to get done tonight, but everything else is okay for now, um, so I think picking your battles, knowing that you can't do everything and, and you kind of have to make a choice, but then also realizing realistically what you can do. There have been semesters where I've taken one less class if I knew something was going to be coming up with my kids or you know things like that. I have been really fortunate to find SCAD too, which has the online program, which I can do at my own pace and during my own hours. So I do my school at night after they're in bed. Um, but yeah, I think just finding creative ways, if you really, really want something, 
there's a way to get it right like it but it does come with a certain amount of well what are you going to give up right so I think there's always that balance but um but yeah it's it's doable I won't lie and say I'm not tired I'm extremely tired but it's worth it and I can see the goal and I I will say it's been very it's been kind of a blessing to have my MFA to be working on because I think I would have been a lot more stir crazy during this pandemic time if I didn't have something personally that I was working on for myself that was something I could focus on and kind of divert my extra energy towards so nice and um my next question is um when you have finished creating all the animations you want and at the end of your life um, you could only leave behind three final truths. What would they be? Three final truths. Wow. Deep question. That is, that is a deep question. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'll have to think for a minute. Uh, the first one would be take risks. It's not popular and it's not fun and it's scary, but in my opinion, the only risk that you shouldn't take is one that can cause you physical or dangerous, you know, bodily harm. So if, if you have something you want to do and it's, you know, you're trying to talk yourself out of it because it's across the country or because it's going to be hard, like those aren't good excuses. If it's something that's going to hurt you, then, then yes, that's the only excuse that I say is um, if it's going to hurt you or someone else, don't do it. But we're, our society has become, I feel kind of stymied in this idea that like everyone wants to be safe all the time in all their choices and have their path laid out for them. And that's just not how life works. So take risks would be my first, my number one, <laughs> probably. Uh, number two, other life lesson. Um, figure out what you're passionate about and do it. Like, don't, don't be afraid to, don't, don't let other people dictate what, what you want to do. I mean, it, especially in art, I feel like there's all these kind of rules that we all follow like, oh, don't draw puppies and children because it's trite and no one will wanna look at it. And, you know, don't use those colors and use these colors. And there's all these rules. And it's not that there aren't rules that are important to follow in art, but if you're really passionate about drawing your puppy, then you should draw your puppy, right? Because the love and attention that you're going to pour into that piece will make it something that's not trite. So by focusing your attention on the things you truly care about and the things that you're passionate about, passion is attractive, no matter what it's for. It's, I'm very glad to see that kind of geek is cool. I remember it being not cool when I was younger to, to like Disney and to like Star Wars, especially as a girl was kind of not cool where, where I grew up. And so to have this culture where now it's it's very cool to be into comics, to be into fantasy, to be into all these interesting, fun things. I think never, never mock someone for their passion because passion is what makes life interesting and what makes people interesting. So follow your passion. And then probably the third one would be always keep learning. There, in in the industry in life like you have to be able to teach yourself 
you can't expect someone to have the answers for you. So, and there are so many resources now. I mean, if you want to know how to do something, find out immediately and what an amazing opportunity all that knowledge is. So I think training yourself to constantly be learning something new in any aspect of your life. Like, do you want to be a better friend? You know, like, do you want to learn how to cook an amazing dish? Like all of those things, pursue that knowledge and pursue um, the joy that learning can be. Like it's a journey and, and you shouldn't have all the answers all at once. It's more fun to, to be learning along the way, in my opinion. I, I think learning is super fun. So, <laughs> so always find something new to learn. That's great. Yeah, all wonderful advice. And um, that's helpful for, I think, um, I, I think some of it's like, you know, you you have to live life a little bit and then you get that perspective because it's so hard for young students like in high school, like they'll have their heart set on this one school. I have to get into this one college or university. And, uh, and they're like upset that they didn't get in. And I'm like, well, you know, you can transfer. I mean, like, that's what I did. I, like, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think that goes back to what I was saying about risk. Like there's so that there's just this feeling that like you have to have everything figured out right now and you don't like, I mean, make a choice. If it doesn't work, make another choice. Like there, and until you're dead, <laughs> there's nothing but choices. So, so yeah, like, I mean, don't be afraid of like, take that school that you did get into and enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, transfer out. Absolutely. Like find something new. Right. Well, and where can people see your amazing artwork? Sure. So I have my professional website is lizrichardsdesign.com. And then my kind of more blog where I post more regularly is uh, through Instagram. And that's the same, Liz Richards Design on Instagram. That's my most frequently posted place probably. Great. Well, everybody go check out her work. Liz's work is amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed it, learned a lot from her. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun to chat with you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to My Creative Life.